0: Hello, hello, and hello. (laughs) Beth Martins here. Welcome to the King Heroes Journey podcast. I am hosting Jean-Serge Brisson, who is the author of Tea Party of One today. I'm super excited. He's not here yet, and uh, just uh, working out the technology. So I'm going to share a few things with you. I'm going to get Rockfin going now. It looks like it's ready. It's all cooked over there. And come and say hello in the chat. I'd love to See who's here, who's around. I uh, I know this interview will be suppressed and chances are I'll be taking it down off of YouTube because uh, this man's name is a flag. And that's the case with some of our good truth warriors out there. So we're, today we're going to be talking about traveling, <laughs> which is something that, oh, as it turns out, we have the right to uh, do freely that is, in fact, uh, a freedom even more than a right. Hello, Amos Bradley. I'm glad you said hello. Nice to see you. and glad you're catching this live as well. That's awesome. So I do have a couple of announcements, so I'll take a, a moment to talk about that now. Coming up Monday, February 6th at 2 p.m., is George Wiseman coming on. He is the inventor of the AquaCure machine technology for uh, Brown's Gas and our health and all of that kind of thing. Mike New. Hello, Miss Martins. <laughs> I'm Miss Martins. You got it. That's me. I've been praying to God lately, like, just take all of me, all of it. Just take it. (laughs) I don't need any of this. And, uh, yeah, so that's super good. I'm excited about George. That's a long time in the coming. I invited him in November, and uh, he finally was able to make a date with me. Should be uh, a good couple of hours. I'm going to ask all my questions about Brown's Gas, about the machine. And uh, so I hope he can make it for that. What else do I have coming up? The um, Sacred Purpose coaching group is going to be starting and uh forgive me <laughs> that's a lot of noise forgive me this is jean serge calling hello jean serge are you having a hard time getting on
1: yes i am i'm gonna walk over to my mom's she has wi-fi it might be easier there
0: okay i'm on I'm in
1: my shop i have wi-fi in my
2: shop
0: okay i'm on if live okay i'm on live right now just so you know so i'll be here ready when you are Okay. Okay, thanks. I'll take me five
2: minutes. Five minutes. Okay, perfect.
0: Okay, bye. thanks. Okay, bye. 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 All right. So he's really good at uh, taxes and fighting the CRA, and um, God bless him, maybe not as good at live streams. <laughs> but that's fine. We don't mind at all. And I love talking to my people. Mojo Shop is here. So great. I'm glad you have the time. And let's see what I are talking about. So, yes, the... Um, The Sacred Purpose Coaching Group is coming up. It's starting February 10th, and today is the last day up until midnight tonight to sign up with the Early Bird. This is a House of Free Will members-only coaching group, so you will also need to apply to be a member of the House of Free Will if you haven't done so already. And thanks for that, love, Mike. I appreciate that. Uh, There is still time. If for some reason you were, um, say you applied today and we couldn't get your uh, application and the agreement, it's a two-step process, by the way. If we couldn't get the agreement to you fast enough, then I will extend the early bird regardless since you got your application in on time. Let me know in your application that you would like to attend the Sacred Purpose group because uh, that will help me prioritize. And uh, let's see what else is going to happen. I am interviewing the um, lend. Uh, pardon me, the uh, Thornhill Country Residents Association that is very informal, just made up of a bunch of farmers and parents and people that really care in Alberta. I am going to share a link to that as well. And um, if you haven't yet been aware, look up your LUB. It's the Land Owners Bylaw. It's funny. Now I just realized it's LUB. I wonder what the use Landowners owners. By- but anyway, it's the Land Owners Bylaw. And this is happening in Canada. It's been happening for quite a while. Here's the link, by the way. You have to go read this story. I was blown away when I heard it. And a a municipality that actually doesn't have any townships in it. It's just hamlets. But there's uh, people throughout the region. And they got wind of this charter coming through. I believe it's part of the Agile Charter. This got passed back in 2020 when we were all oohed and awed about the boogeyman virus out there. And uh, they, they pushed it through. It didn't go through parliament, land use. Thank you, <laughs> land use bylaw. Thank you, Rob, that's, uh, that's exactly it. I appreciate that correction. I'm gonna correct that right now. <laughs> it's funny how you just run by things in a hurry sometimes. And uh, yeah, it's pretty freaky, actually, that the the charter itself that someone, fortunately, in that community took the time to read, discovered all of these, I will call them completely satanic controls on land use, especially in those rural areas, you know, little things like insidious things like you can't have more than four buildings on your land. Well, what farmer could function with only four buildings? And uh, say a, a building hadn't been used for, I think it was six years, you have to get a, a, a permit again for it. And there's about 150 or more, you know, stupid little insults that are absolutely, it's just wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So, so this group in Alberta, they banded together the Thornhill County residents and they fought it. And guess what? The municipality is not going to implement the land use bylaw the charter. It's amazing, right? Now, those of us in the law world, we already know that that is not law. Bylaws are actually not law if it doesn't go through Parliament. So, you know, this will be easy to fight, but even better to fight before it comes into play, because the vast majority of people out there think a bylaw, it really is a a true law, when it is not. Uh, Shout out to Stan for Thee. Those guys are working tirelessly in the background and, um, doing a lot of fearless work, holding people's hands through all kinds of situations. We've got some people in Manitoba going strong right now. And let's see, what else could I share with you guys? How are you doing? (laughs) Do you want to let me know how it's going? Oh, one little bit of news that I have is that I can't tell from today, but we had, I believe, five days in a row with no chemtrails. One, there was one. And maybe I didn't see them all, and sometimes they spray at night. But compared to what it has been, like wow difference and crystal clear blue skies I hadn't seen for so long. It was glorious. It was uh, minus 97 here. It's been the probably coldest it's been so far in the winter, but I made myself go out and uh, suntan, get some <laughs> sun on my face and walk. And uh, yeah, it was uh, like definitely a heroic effort to do that. but. We are in the dead of winter. They don't call it the dead of winter for nothing. So I'm curious to see, have you guys been seeing any less of those lines in the sky or is it uh, the same as it's ever been? I'm trying hard to remove that link. Oh, there we go. So yeah, just let me know. We're looking forward to Jean-Serge coming on. He will be on. He said it would only take him five minutes to get to his mom's and then we maybe you heard that. And then we will have him on to talk about traveling, which is uh, a freedom that God grants, right? We can move freely on God's earth. And it even has been recognized as a right in the Canadian Bill of Rights and, you know, international covenant that we can move our body freely, whether we are in a vehicle or we are on foot or we are in a plane, of course, you run into all kinds of policy and crap like that. But when you're just moving from point A to point B, then this is something that we can all do. Hello, Cameron Amor. Nice to see you. Seattle getting covered hard. Darn, sorry to hear that. Yeah, we were we were trying to guess about why the trails just kind of came to a, a dead halt. And is it that they ran out of money? Uh, I'm pretty sure that our chemtrails don't come from our local planes that I believe they are flown in from wherever but uh, yeah there's some reason they're just not hitting us right now and your winter episode just uh ended in Texas crystal clear outside that's that's fantastic good for you and I hear it wasn't nearly as violent it was it just last year when the everything was a shutdown and uh totally frozen over and big emergency for a lot of people and the grocery stores cleared out and all of that kind of thing uh, mojo shop said same there uh, uh clear sky in same here mobile um is mobile al what is al <laughs> darn i don't know the state al L. have to let me know what al is uh, it was 2021 okay two years ago already wow time really flies doesn't it not even a cloud today beautiful breathe deep that's awesome mojo shop very good and you just took your seven-month son outside to get some sun. Fantastic! Yeah, yeah. I get so hungry for the sun this time of year. It's like oh, must have sun, vitamin D. <laughs> Spraying it in my in my mouth, and um, yeah. So let's see. What should we chat about? Mobile, Alabama. Okay, there you go, Alabama. I, if it, you gave me long enough, I probably would have come up with that. <laughs> And yeah, what else? What else is going on here? Um, I feel like there was something I was going to share with you. Hello, Chris Unhearded. Nice to see you. Your sun just came out in North Carolina for the first time in five days. Missed it badly. Yeah, we had weeks and weeks and weeks of overcast. Weeks. And this is crazy because you know what? In Manitoba, where I live, has the highest amount of sunshine in any given year than anywhere in the country. And uh, so that was absolutely unnormal, not normal for us. So yeah, that was pretty, pretty uh, depressing, like heavy blanket. We're we're back again there today, but it wasn't due to chemtrails unless they sprayed all night long and I don't know anything about that. But yeah, it's been beautiful to see the crystal clear sky. I forgot what that looked like, and uh, I now have a vehicle with a a good sunroof, so I was able to park myself in a sheltered spot. And the sun came in. It was I was just baking in the sun, and that is exactly what every Manitoba needs. <laughs> I'm amazed that we haven't created more technology for people to uh, sun themselves, because all you need is a, is the right kind of shelter. And it looks like Ocean is coming for the streams. He's uh, he's not late. He's earlier than uh expected this poor guy is a shut-in he can't go outside to do his business he can't go outside to hunt and uh, so he's becoming more domesticated and he needs his mama all the time let's see if you can you want to say hi do you want to say hi darius say hi yeah darius <laughs> very good <clears throat> so we'll just wait a few more minutes and uh Jean Serge has one book out. It's called The Tea Party of One, if you're not familiar. He went head to head with CRA in, I don't know what exact year that was. Not that long ago. And uh, he was able to actually win. And then he published a book about how he had basically, it was to do with the provincial sales tax that he felt like he didn't um, he he was never officially hired to do the government's work to go and collect taxes for them. It's bad enough you have to pay taxes, but when you are a business owner, then you have to collect taxes for no money at all. I think I think if you press them, there is some kind of a, a, a painfully small stipend. But he fought it and uh, he stopped charging PST. I also myself stopped as soon as the pandemic hit. I stopped charging GST. And, uh, you know, it's my small protest. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to war with CRA, like Jean Serge, but uh, he, has, he has the goods. He's very available. There's a group on Telegram called Tea Party of One, if anybody would like to be part of that. And um, hello, Undoctrinated. Un- <laughs> I like your name. Maybe your name is Ryan. That's very, very clever. Tabby Kitty. Yes, he's my boy. And, uh, and then when he published The Tea Party of One, he got sued by the government. The government went, oh, no, 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 you're not going to get out there and tell everybody this truth, what you don't actually have to do. And, uh, and then he won the lawsuit. So that's really fantastic. I'm super happy about that. And we're just waiting for him. So what are you guys facing in your world these days? Do you see people with masks? There's more masks here. I'm noticing. I went into the grocery store. I'm repeating this story. I went into the grocery store and I, I asked the fellow in the produce section. I love those produce guys. They're amazing. And I just said, are they scaring you again on TV? And, uh, and, and he was all confused. He didn't know. So I just pointed to his mask. And uh, and then I said to him, you know, what if the government said to you, should you put sticks in your eyes to pre- protect the elderly or you should put sticks in your eyes to protect the elderly, would you do it? And uh, he's like, I don't want to talk about it. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still learning to be kind and compassionate to people who are afraid out there. You know, and it's not even that he was afraid, it's that he wants to comfort his elders. Oh my gosh, right? If we had that beautiful peer intention of comforting our elders with something effective, right, to go and actually be with the elders, although I know he does that, they are amazing in that store. Next door, shout out to my local grocery store here. Oh, yeah, 15-Minute Cities. I was I was thinking about this last night, how they're coming down the line with our 15-Minute Cities. This is no new thing. You know, people are um, are putting up their, uh, oh, my gosh, Smart Cities, here it comes. Like, you guys, it's been for a long time, coming for a long time already. And I was able to discover, actually, this was one more link. Let's see if I can grab this. Uh, somebody in a group the other day shared this group about infrastructure in Canada. If you are in Canada, this is really, really revealing. And this is uh, a list of actually the disclosure of how much money everybody is receiving to participate with preparing smart cities. Uh, it is called the Smart Cities Challenge, and there are prizes for the challenge. Our prize the winning prize in, in the city of Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I am, is $50 million, $50 million, a prize. And of course, they call it a prize and a challenge, like it's some online game or something like that. I honestly, I feel so sick looking at this. But the group in Alberta, who the Thornhill uh, community, are proving that if you stand up and you say no, like this is absolute BS, is absolutely dysfunctional. This is against the people. Uh, Then they went like, oh, oh, right, right. Uh, Everybody won't vote for us next time around if we continue on with this. Mm, Better rethink this. Smart city oxymoron, exactly. Doesn't the the smart stands for something? There's like surveillance something, 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 something. (laughs) That's what I heard. Hello, commercial sound video. Nice to see you. Uh, welcome you were in a smart cities uh, 10 years ago when you lived in korea no kidding wow Emil, that must have been crazy yeah mostly no masks in north carolina that's awesome yeah a few more i see a few more every day that i go in public which is actually i don't even go in public every day i live in my own world i tell you there's an uptake in in uh, masks in texas actually to you evidence of the partially effective propaganda yeah that's it's a it's a monitor definitely uh a way to read the community, how how people are responding. But I think, you know, with with, uh, comparing to the amount of fear propaganda that is still out there, it's still a relatively small number of people that are drinking that Kool-Aid. So I think they're losing traction by the day. We do have an event coming up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And uh, if you don't see me covering it, then here's the reason that uh, it's, um, I, I do not have a good feeling about the organizers. There's uh, behind the scenes all kinds of drama going on, crazy amounts of drama that gets publicized and, you know, that you don't know exactly who to believe. But the organization used to be Canada Unity,
3: and they were the
0: ones that took, um, oh boy, okay, hear me. This is Jean Serge again, with any luck. Hello, jean Serge. Are you still struggling with the link? Yeah, very. It
1: just doesn't want to
0: connect. Uh, so you're on the Wi-Fi, and are you clicking on the Streamyard link? I can I can reshare it just in case there was a
1: yeah. No, I'm, there. I'm clicking on it. It just doesn't want to work.
0: Okay. Do you have access? It tells to-
1: me it tells me join. I have a I had bought a set of uh, earphones wi uh, for the work on Bluetooth. And I've got them on right now. They're just, they're just not working.
0: They're not working. Because
1: they're oh. through the phone, not through my ears.
0: Okay. Okay. That shouldn't affect the StreamYard link. So I just reshared it in Telegram if you want to uh, click that open just in case it was a bad link. No, it looks like the same one. But um, now you could also just copy and paste the link. Open your browser. Which, if you, I guess, are on a, an iPhone, that's Safari. Paste it I in. I tried that. You yeah. tried that. It's not an iPhone.
1: I have a Samsung.
0: Okay. Okay. And if you just click the link, it doesn't do anything.
1: No.
0: Okay. All right. So let's see if people can hear you on the line right now. Can you guys hear Jean Serge by any chance, or are you just thinking I'm talking to myself? Could you? <laughs> could you guys in the chat let me know we're just having a nice discussion here. Are you guys just hearing me or are you hearing Jean-Serge as well? I don't know if Motoshop, you're there, or yeah. Mike New. You can hear him. Okay, fantastic. Jean-Serge, do you want to just stay on the phone? It looks like they can hear you. Yep.
2: Yeah. okay.
0: Okay, fantastic.
2: The browser, the browser
1: has blocked your mic and camera, and I, it says join without mic and cam, and I. nothing wants to happen.
0: Right. Yeah. And you wouldn't want to join without your mic for sure. So you can hear both. So this is good. Let's, since you're here now, let's just go ahead. We're uh, a little bit, uh, yeah, almost 20 minutes into it. So welcome to the interview. I'm so glad to have you here.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Okay, very good. And as I mentioned, Jean Serge is the author of Tea Party of One, which got him into a little bit of hot water with CRA. And uh, there actually will be a a workshop coming up in the House of Free Will. You and and myself, Jean-Serge, have yet to schedule that, but it will be specifically on navigating Canadian tax laws. But today we're going to talk about traveling. Oh, Matt Beller. It's funny. I've been thinking about you so much. I I almost reached out several (laughs) times. Do you know Matt as well, Jean-Serge? You guys should connect. Matt Belair, so you got you two should connect because uh, I think Matt might be uh, interested or or should be interested. Same, there you go, uh, uh, to have an interview with you. Um, but let's sure. let's let's go ahead and use the time that we have, and you'd love to have yeah. him on the show. Great, so yeah, Matt's got a fantastic platform. He's uh, he was a, a gateway uh, drug for me, <laughs> not a drug, but a gateway <laughs> to do a great deal of. Of connections, and we did the Choose Freedom Law Summit together, which is closed now. There's so much of that that I just am not—I'm not down with anymore. So, it's—it's uh, it's one of those things you learn as you go. And here we are. So yeah. we're gonna—we're gonna talk about traveling now. Now, uh, a, a quick little story. I went to take my son. He just turned 16. I went to take him to start applying for his account at uh, at our uh, Manitoba Public Insurance here. He wants his driver's license. He wants to do his test. And, uh, and so when we got in line to, we, there's several, it's taking us four, four steps and stages, four trips to do this. And the second one, I, I told her a little story. Did you know in 1984 drive, uh, traveling went from being a right to being a privilege? And did you know, you can't actually charge for a right. You can only charge for a privilege. And I said, and then I said to her, uh, it's a scam And then my son said, that's enough, mom. (laughs) And that conversation, (laughs) yeah, that conversation was over at that moment. But uh, it was just really good to say that. So do you want to tell us a little bit to start out uh, about the history of where traveling went sideways in Canada?
1: Okay, well, understand all I have is the information from the Ontario province. The the research I did was in uh, the Highway Traffic Act that covers the... uh, the capacity to operate your private automobile on the roads, and uh, because when I start operate and the chauffeur's license, the difference between the two is that one. Oh, Jean
0: Serge. Oh darn. For some reason, the phone is cutting out. I um, wonder if it's either Telegram or... Are you on Wi-Fi now?
1: I'm trying to get on. Well, I'm automatically on when I come into my mom's house.
0: Okay, you are on Wi-Fi. Okay, so that should help. Um, Sometimes you can try to turn off the Wi-Fi and see if your phone would function better off the Wi-Fi, although Telegram is an app?
2: Yeah, it works on for Wi-Fi.
1: It would be be my own data, I guess.
0: Right, it's up to you, or I guess you could try to call me back. Sometimes Telegram calls will fix themselves on a callback, although you sounded pretty clear. Do you want to try one more time? still sounds the same, yeah. Um... Sure. Um,
1: Telegram doesn't work well for me.
0: It doesn't. I don't know why. Right. Yeah. And let's just let everybody know. Jean Serge is a uh, intensely censored person out there. His <laughs> his name alone. I will be taking this video off of YouTube just to for myself to avoid a strike. It will be live on uh, Rockfin as well. So, um, do you want to try to Facetime me? Do Do you have Facetime? I can try. Yeah. I can try. Do you know my number, or I'll just put it in here. I'm going to put it in your chat. my phone number where you can send me a text um or you put it in
1: chat and telegram okay
0: yeah can you grab it there at all yes yeah okay okay we'll try that then okay okay talk soon (laughs) okay okay bye Oh darn! The last time I interviewed him, we had we had trouble. It is not the end, Rob. No, we're, yeah. the The end is not near. <laughs> We've been talking a lot with Shade Stone. He came in the House of Free Will the other day and uh, has a totally different take on Revelations than I've ever heard before. It's apparently not new. It was something that he discovered on his own and interpreting the Book of Revelations as history and not as future predictions although you know what I don't see any reason it couldn't be both because guess what history does you guys know anyone put in the chat what does history do right I want you guys to say it um, so uh, yeah it's very very interesting and in, in a way very comforting too because if it's only prophetic it's if it's only in the future and you believe the bible and you have a you know you adhere to the bible then we would have absolute hell coming like beyond hell actually i mean hell on earth okay here we go so we're gonna try this again i'm gonna accept this and please let me know in the chat if you can hear jean-serge again hello jean-serge hi hi and we're just every gonna,
1: time we we have a problem. We had a problem last time. We have a problem again.
0: I know. I know exactly. Yeah, repeats. Right, follows the pattern. Sorry, I just asked the, the chat a question. You guys got it. History repeats. So anyway, I'll I'll go back to that, and talk uh, now that Jean Serge is here. So can you hear Jean Serge? Could you let me know in oh, the yeah, chat, please? Here, you're
2: fine.
0: I know. I'm asking the people in the chat just so that they can oh. confirm. If they can't hear you, then we're it's this is, audio is good. Okay, fantastic. We're gonna go with it. FaceTime for the win. All right. So do you want to talk a little bit about the history? You said it, it's in, maybe I even misspoke and, and talked about this in Canada, of course, because driving is regulated uh, provincially, not not federally. So do you want to talk about the history that you're aware of there with about traveling?
1: Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to do their own research in their own province, but Manitoba, uh, I don't know if you have a law library close by, but all the... Information would be in there, in the law library. Okay. Just look up the Highway Traffic Act, when it was created in your province, and uh, or whatever it's called, similar to the Highway Traffic Act in, in the province you're in. And uh, look up when it started, and you will not see anything about driving privileges. There's nothing at all in driving privileges when you look at the original... Document that created the Highway Traffic Act.
0: What year would that and have been? In so, Ontario, mm-hmm.
1: eighteen ninety-seven, I <laughs> think, is when the first one was made. Right. So we're still running around in horse and buggies.
0: Okay. No, no and actual cars.
1: No such thing as driving privileges because you weren't driving; you were operating a horse and buggy.
2: Right. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Traveling freely from point A to point B. Yeah. So they hadn't exactly. even, yeah, they hadn't even distinguished at that point, uh, commercial, something called commercial driving, right? So if you, if your horse and boogie was, was, uh, delivering potatoes, there was no distinction that nobody would stop you and, like, oh my gosh, are you doing something in commercial, in the commercial realm?
2: Correct.
1: Correct. Exactly. And they, um, They, There was nothing. I mean, I've read court case across Canada after court case where grounds were coming forward saying you can't go on the roads without having a license. And judges were saying time after time, where does it, render a right obsolete or illegal when you take away the horse and put a moor in the cart right? or in the buggy. Putting a moor in the buggy to make you go forward, where does that change on if you have a horse pulling the buggy? What, what the judges were asking the crowns was where does this change the capacity of the individual to move around? freely as they did before and right. Shit. nothing i mean when i took my my permit when i was 16 years old one of the questions was is driving a right or a privilege they don't have that on the questionnaire anymore uh, but it was on it when i started uh, driving
2: no and kidding
1: I because i wrote down it was a right
2: Oh, that was, in, that was in
1: 1970.
0: So they were indoctrinating and through the test.
1: Everyone was under the impression that driving was a privilege because it had been stated so by the authorities. They had started to brainwash people to get you accustomed to the belief that being on the road with a car or your private vehicle, a vehicle is still a commercial term, with your private automobile was a privilege given to you by the state.
0: And it's not.
2: There you go. Um,
0: There you go. And Mm
1: -hmm. so I started doing my research because
3: um, I had a very bad car. Uh, If I had the chance, I would have sent you the pictures. You could have put
1: them up. But I still have the car today. Oh, wow. That happened in 1975, that
0: accident. Okay. Well, I'm sorry.
1: And I started questioning the safety of seatbelts. Right. And when I came out of the hospital, I saw my car and uh, I said, never again. I will not let the government dictate to me how I'm going to die. (laughs) Because basically, having a law that says you must wear a seatbelt is the government telling you how you can live or protect yourself or die.
0: Yeah, amazing point.
1: Because if you're in an accident and you're killed because you were wearing a seatbelt and there's a law saying you have to wear the seatbelt, who's responsible for your death? I mean, you decided to get in the car and drive down the road, but how you are going to make yourself safer within the vehicle, especially when the majority of of injuries that happen with seatbelts is spleens. Hmm. Damaged spleens. People die before they get to the hospital because of their spleen being ruptured by the seatbelt. There was a fellow who did the study. Uh, I think he was... He was from Manitoba. Uh, Vine might have been his name. I forget his name. I, I forget who it was. It's been so long. <laughs> but um, the uh, he had made he had taken the stats and looked into the statistics of wearing seatbelts, and he had found that the majority of the people who got injured while wearing seatbelts was mostly injuries.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: the majority of them died before getting to the hospital.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: that got, that's what got me going into looking into the right or the privilege of driving mm-hmm. is when I went to court to fight a seatbelt fine. The crown says, well, driving is a privilege, not a right. So therefore the government can dictate how you can say protect yourself in a car. Because privilege is only given to you by the government. But a right is automatic. The minute you're born, you have a right. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: And when I saw that, I went looking into, I did a court constitutional challenge on the right to drive versus the privilege in 96. And uh, I lost. But in that is what directed me to go looking for driving privileges. Where did it create it? Because the judge put it to me in a question. He says, you have a lot of information here of where driving and and, uh, the right of driving and the privilege of driving. He says, you have a lot of information, a lot of court cases, but he says, what I don't see in the Highway Traffic Act is where privileges were brought in. Where was it created? He said, if you can show me that, you'd win. So I went back to the law library at the Ottawa University and I looked up the Highway Traffic Act and I didn't see anything in the original document. So the the original, the first draft of uh, the Highway Traffic Act. So I skipped right up to 1960, still nothing. I went a couple of years so i skipped ahead to where i started driving 1970s looked up year after year nothing 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 until i came to 1984. 1984 is where the first mention of driving privileges is in the highway traffic act in ontario i'm going to say ontario i don't know what other provinces are at it doesn't mean it's the same
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but For some reason, then I went looking for the bill that modified the Highway Traffic Act. And in that bill, it said that the government was creating the privilege of driving to ensure more safety on the road. But at that moment, they took away a right and created a privilege. I also found in the Supreme Court of Canada in the the early 40s, where the supreme court of canada states that if someone can uh, can demonstrate that they can operate their private automobile with the safety and and the responsibility that it entails because of what they're operating they are given their permit free of charge because the government cannot sell a right. they can Sell a privilege, but not a right.
0: There you go. And just to repeat, the government cannot sell a right.
1: <laughs> okay. No. Nope. Yeah. That was stated by the Supreme Court of Canada.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In that decision. Well, there you go. That that's probably where I got off on the federal thing. Yeah. So there's there's actual precedent at a federal level for this, and is it just simply because people don't? know and understand, like all my life, I've had to go and uh, pay for the privilege of moving about so-called freely. And, you know, so is it, is it just the nescience, the, the, the ignorance that people don't understand? This is something that they should be able to do?
1: It's something that was hidden. It was done. I mean, when they, I got the answer also from the discussion when they were reviewing this bill. And the MPPs at the Ontario legislature were kibitsing back and forth about the length of the truck. They were also regulating the length of the tractor uh, trailer trailers. And one MPP, my local MPP, was complaining how his little firefly would have a problem passing around these long vehicles when going down the, the 401. And, but no mention at all
3: about creating the privilege. They didn't even mention Really, the only ones that know what they did are the bureaucrats.
2: Right. they're
1: the ones who know what they did by creating the the privilege of driving it wasn't the idea that come up by a, a politician it's the bureaucrats in the ministry of transportation who said hey you know we have to we, we don't have driving privileges and Highway traffic act if we don't put it in there it's a right this is how the thinking must have gone down in the ministry of transportation in 1984 when they pushed through the bill Create the privilege of driving but also they modified many other aspects of the highway traffic act at that time now here's another one in my search for the bill i took up the bill that modified the highway traffic act in 1983 and in there i found that uh, this statement that the driver's license the operator's license is now going to be known as Government property. If it wasn't government property prior to 1983, whose property was it? Because something has to be owned in order for the government to take it. If it's out there free in the wild, anyone should take it. But the government now made it its own property. The document you have in your private your in your wallet, is government property, but prior to 1983, it was not government property. So if it wasn't government property, whose property was it? Well, it was each individuals who had that in their wallet, it was their property. And the government just passed a motion, just passed um, an amendment to the Harbor Traffic Traffic Act and just took it for themselves, took away everybody's property. And if it happened like that in Ontario, it happened like that in every other province in the country. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, exactly. And and they also turned this word... Like, actually, I'd, lo- I'd love you to just say, what are the commercial terms? Driving is one. You said uh, vehicle is another it, one.
1: Yes. Um, it's all about the language. When you talk about the privilege versus the right, mm-hmm. you have the right to operate your private Automobile,
2: mm-hmm.
1: not car, not vehicle. Those are commercial terms. The province in the BNA Act has the right to license commercial activities. They have the power, not not the right, the power. Governments don't have rights; they're dead entities. Only living human beings have rights.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Every corporation is a dead entity. The only way they can do anything is by having someone that is living, that is alive, and works within that dead entity. And when you use the commercial terms, you're allowing the province to legislate and license. And that's another thing, a permit when the the, when the Supreme Court of Canada said, you're given your permit free of charge, that's the permission, that's the permission. But a license is a commercial term that you are paying for the capacity or the privilege of using that, that, that license activity. If you want, if, if, you, if you get in your own private automobile, you're going to drive yourself where you want to go. But if you hire someone, that person becomes your driver. Hence why that driver needed a chauffeur's license to drive you around, to drive a taxi. Right. But then they changed that in the beginning of the 80s when the... um,
3: Creation of uh, when they read a gravel truck. Now they've got ABCD.
1: All kinds of uh, levels to be able to drive different categories
0: of vehicles. Hey, Jean-Serge, I, If you're
1: just going to mm-hmm. if you're just going to drive a a car or a pickup truck or a light truck, it's a Jeep. Hmm. That's general.
0: Okay, I apologize to interrupt, but uh, people on the chat are saying that there's no sound again. It's funny because I'm hearing you perfectly now. It seems to be coming uh-huh. through just just great, but. Uh, Can you guys confirm if you've all been hearing it um, cut out? I'm not sure what we would do at that point. I did, audio's fine now? Okay, yeah, then that might have been from before. Maybe people are uh, listening earlier on. Comes and goes, Glenda? Oh, weird, because I'm hearing it very constant now. This seems to work. Uh, Cuts out once in a while. Okay, well, we'll do our best and and maybe plan for uh, a different time as well. out for like five seconds twice okay yeah not for me at all so strange i don't know that that actually might point to (laughs) maybe it's the cold maybe it's your name (laughs) right yeah yeah um i I was going to point out how uh is is it not in the black slot dictionary that a license allows you to do something illegal so they must have all, all also Turned this, you know, commercial driving into something that you were—it was illegal to do without a license.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, when we first started out putting in commercial vehicles like gravel trucks on the road, people hopped in it and would start driving them. I mean, you know, whoever was used to driving one of those, they'd hop in it and away they went. Until they realized that uh, you needed a certain amount of skill to be able to operate such a big truck, such a big vehicle with all kinds of product on the back of it. Whether it's gravel, sand, dirt, but they don't stop on a dime like a car, so people needed to be trained on them. I know I couldn't jump in one and just start driving one down the road
0: with it. No, no. I recently got a truck and it was a a big uh, change for me. I had never, never driven around. Took me a while to get used to. And that's, and that's a good use for government, right? That, that uh, you, you want safe people on the road. You want people that are confident and can actually uh, operate there, but operate, operate is the, is, is the private term, correct? Operating the private automobile.
1: Operating the, yes, you're operating your private automobile
0: right
3: right now if
1: you're going to be driving around your gravel truck or um, transport truck well you need to know what you're doing
0: right and this is the positive function of government that it could be if it was in proper balance where you know because i don't want to be uh, traveling around, knowing that there might be dangerous people on the road who don't know how to drive—maybe ten-year-olds or twelve-year-olds or something like that—that that haven't actually, yeah. you know, they don't know the, the law of the—that—that that is a true danger to everybody. But uh, this, this is now, of course, overreach. What do you, what do you think is the motivation? Is it, is it just money? That you're just a money grab?
1: When it comes to bureaucracies, uh, I'm, I'm going to try and remember the term. Bureaucracy, the need for bureaucracy is to grow. A bureaucracy never stops wanting to grow.
0: Right, like cancer. <laughs>
1: uh, it's like a cancer. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, there's, there's a term that flows out of that, and I'm trying to remember it. The growth of the bureaucracy is necessary because the bureaucracy needs to grow something along that that the line is very it's very telling on how if you have a bureaucracy if it's not put under check it's going to grow and grow and grow and grow into a complete inefficiency Mm
2: -hmm.
1: because all it is is people on top want more power and the bureaucrats Contrary to politicians, they stay. That's the big problem. Bureaucrats stay for a lifetime in a position that it becomes their domain. You're not going to tell a high ranking bureaucrat how to run the department because it's his domain. And, right. and that is where bureaucrats are more dangerous than politicians.
0: Yeah, excellent. I'm glad. Go ahead.
1: The politicians will get too friendly with the with the bureaucrats, or vice versa, and there's a symbiotic uh, relationship there. One needs the other to stay in power.
0: Right. I'll your hand. You grease mine
2: yeah kind of thing. yeah mhm mm-hmm.
0: yeah growing up for me with a father who uh, every single time the government took one more control, and I remember specifically when the the seat belts came in, he would swear up and down and say that you know that this is overreach and they're
2: <laughs> regulating
0: everybody he he really he really was onto it, so I come by it honestly, he, he lost it as he as he got older it, it like the it's almost like the Authority—the so-called authority, the fake authority of the government—had had had, uh, solidified in him somewhere, and I then I was the rebel somehow. But uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit of a a shift. And it's very important to point out how it's really not the politicians. It's one of the reasons I don't want anything to do with politics because you could fight a politician all day long, but you never address the bureaucracy that you're saying is where the the true, you know, hinge is.
1: That's where the power is, right? It's uh, I mean. When you
3: get elected as a politician, as an MP or an MPP or even a counselor. This is how you do these things and. If you have a problem, come and see me,
1: and I'll help you through it. You know, I'll hold you by the hand to walk you through how you must do your work as an MP or a politician. I had the very, I had that very thing happen to me when I was elected a counselor. It was a a shocking experience because the chief executive officer, a chief, Cao, the Cao, uh, chief. Uh, because the chief executive officer was the mayor, but the chief acting officer, see, it was, what's was what Cao again? Never mind.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Chief acting. That,
1: yeah. Acting of, officer mm-hmm.
0: challenged
1: the mayor because the mayor wanted to change the organization of the administration. And we were in an in-camera meeting when we were going through the, the training and the CAO told the mayor, I will challenge you to the hill. I will not let you do any changes to the administration. So we had to fire. But before firing them, I told the mayor, I, you know, I want to give him a chance to work with him. And I went to see him In his office, because during the training, we had skipped over a certain chapter that I felt was important. And he looked at me and he says, yeah, you're right. But he says, you know, he says, before getting elected, you were at every council meeting for years. He says, you had a better attendance record than some, some counselors. And you always had a question for us. And every time you asked a a question, you were put off. Oh, we'll give you the answer next meeting because i got to do the research. He says, I could have given you the the answer to every question you asked right then and there. But sometimes when there's an embarrassing question, the CEO told me, he says, it is my job to protect the council from embarrassing questions. And I was being, this is where I realized I was being told, he was going to set me up. He could set me up with a difficult question to the public, to a member of the public, would go along and ask me the question and I'd have to turn to him and I would then owe him a favor.
2: Mm-hmm. Now I'm
1: in his pocket. That's oh, how it works.
0: That is how it works. That To me, that's how Satanism rolls, just to call it out, mm-hmm. because uh, they can get you out of your integrity, So you do something that's not really right, not really in the best interest of your people or even yourself, and then and then they've got you because if you're embarrassed or you're shamed and you don't want your wife to know or you don't, you know, whomever it would be, then they hook you and then they'll get you to do the next wrong thing and the next wrong thing and then you start stacking all the wrong things. So who's going to come clean when you've got this big, long history of wrongs behind you?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's how it starts. Yeah. I mean, they tried it um, when uh, the mayor fell ill and we each each counselor had their turn to being the acting mayor. Uh, it was my turn to be the acting mayor. They tried to trip me up because other members on council wanted the job of mayor and they hated the mayor that they couldn't work with. They didn't want to work with them but they had to work with me and I was good friends with the mayor. They had no choice to work with me. So, because when it came time to take votes, I mean, if, if it's one against the other, you just never vote for what the other councilors want to bring along. I mean, if it becomes a, uh, a very abrasive relationship amongst every member of council, Nothing gets done. Right, and they had tried to set me up on a difficult question, but they, what they didn't realize is it was it was not my department. I was taking care of more recreation, but while I'm acting mayor, I had to be knowledgeable of every aspect of what the misspelled is going on through, and. It was about the new water system that we new, uh, uh, not water system, but the new uh, res- reservoir that we were building. And they didn't realize that I knew just about as much as the, the counselor that was in charge of overseeing it. And when the question was asked, I responded right away. And both counselors that were opposite to me were surprised that I knew what I knew and made the person asking the question look like an idiot. Mm. But this is where what I had feared from the CAO came about. They tried to put a question out there that I would not know the answer to.
0: And they didn't know who they were dealing with.
1: They didn't know who they were dealing with. They didn't realize that I was still staying informed on everything else, even though my department, my ministry in a sense was recreation for the township. Right. But back to driving um, as a commercial term, just look up the BNA Act and section 91 and 92, I think is what regulates federal and provincial governments. And you will see what the province is allowed to regulate and license.
0: Section 91 and 92 of the BNA Act, right? Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. And uh, so can you give us a little Coles notes? Uh... Pressure.
1: I don't. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> it's just something I know by heart. Uh, but ninety-one and ninety-two. Um. Provincially, they can rec- they 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 are the ones who can license commercial activities, not the federal government. That's not uh, an oversight by the federal government, unless it's in their, one of their jurisdictions. Right then they can license, but usually provinces are... And the reason for it is to raise revenue so that they can fund the the province. The province will need money to run itself, and that's the sole purpose of being able to to license commercial activities is to raise revenue.
0: Right, right. It's kind and of hard
1: down to... on the back of the taxpayers or the individual who earns very little compared to what a business will earn.
0: Right. Have you done the math? Like I know it's kind of hard to calculate because everybody's license will be a, a little bit different based on their driving record. But uh, you know, what what's the average annual take in Ontario, for example, for for driver's licenses?
2: Well,
1: a driver's license is what, $125 for five years, six years?
0: Okay. And There's
1: uh, what? 14 million people in Ontario? And about
0: half of that have a driver's license. How's your math, or should I pull up the calculator? <laughs> seven million times hundred is uh, seven hundred million. Seven hundred million dollars. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So it will. It would be very tragic for them if they were to lose that income. I mean, even That's I guess right. in, in today's standards, being. Uh, What are we, what do we have, a trillion dollar debt or some crazy, I don't, I've completely lost track of that. Ontario,
1: Ontario isn't far from a trillion. There you go. We're past half half a billion.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: Half a billion. We're past 500 billion.
0: 500, great. Yeah, that makes more sense. We're close. Yeah, insanity. And uh, so do you want to talk about the recent circumstance that, that that's what led to this interview in the first place that you've had some experiences on the road yourself and with tickets and I know uh, friends of mine are struggling with the same thing when when all the COVID thing was so so prevalent, it, the driving really paled in comparison, you know, the triage didn't it didn't come up on the triage exactly, but I feel like we've got a little mm-hmm. bit more breadth now. What, what was happening for you that inspired you to get deeper into this subject?
1: driver's license and the fact that uh, they um the how can i say it when they threw robbing privileges in my face to allow the government to be able to pass laws like seat belts it really burnt me and i said fine i'm gonna go looking for it so i started looking into the different aspects of uh how we got to uh, have a driving privileges and uh but i did not know
3: about the supreme court decision until after Unfortunately, Hmm. um, and
1: when I started looking up the stats myself, uh, in the Ontario road safety annual report, and each province has something similar to that. The statistics of all the driving statistics are in that report. Right. And when it came to seatbelts. There is a big hole in the statistics. Which says at the very top, it's a disclaimer. Saying that accidents where there's property damage only. They do not ask if you were wearing a seatbelt. Because when i went to court the first time and i wanted to introduce the stats the judge was very lenient he allowed me to ask questions to the cop so i said to the cop i said when you go to a car accident do you ask the person wearing seatbelt? she said yes i do and i said if they were not she said they're given a ticket and charged
0: so if you tell the truth you will be punished isn't there something that says, and, isn't there something that says you can't incriminate yourself?
1: Yes, you incriminate, you incriminate yourself and you get a ticket. <laughs> so what's happened? The people learned and they were saying, oh, yes, I was wearing a seatbelt. You hit your head in the windshield. You were not wearing a seatbelt. You're injured. That's why they're asking, were you wearing a seatbelt? And she told the truth. No, it was not. Well, you know, here's your ticket. If there's four people in the car and one person is injured, they have to ask everybody. All the other th- the other three were not wearing seatbelts. So they will say yes, and that's what happened. They realized they were being lied to, and that was screwing up the uh, the stats. So when there was an accident and nobody was hurt, they're not asking. States it right there and as a as a disclaimer. On the roads Ontario Road Safety Annual Report, you go when you go look into the stats, that disclaimer is at the very top of the stats of how many people were hurt or injured while wearing a seatbelt, how many were not, it's all there. They have no injury, minimal, minor, major fatalities. That's the the ratio or the breakdown. And fatalities, While well, those people were killed even, even while wearing a seatbelt, though they were crushed or beyond recognition, beyond capacity, that the car was can of sardine that closed on them.
2: But- right.
0: Yeah, there was actually somebody in the chat a little while ago that said they had been through multiple accidents. Yeah, it was uh, indoctrinated, it said he's been multi- multiple serious car accidents, never wearing a seatbelt, never had a scratch on him yeah oh darn that's so that's so hard because uh you know it's easy to decide for yourself but the indoctrination runs so thick i was thinking about having my kid take his seatbelt off and uh and then the car yells at you the whole time about it like oh yeah. right like now they're all wired to yeah. tell yeah. you what to do yeah. uh so yeah i mean and and do so so do you now travel without a seatbelt? Your, I never wear it. You never I, wear uh, it. I snapped
1: mm. the belt in behind my back. Yeah, and I just sit over top of the belt.
0: Right, right, right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. That's indoctrination. I can feel myself like, you know. And are there not some situations it's better? It or is it is it literally statistically best not to wear it? It's. I mean, when I took
1: my driver's ed, I believed in it. Right. And I've seen occasions where the seatbelt could probably help you. But in my case, I uh, I got thrown in the back seat because I wasn't tied up. And the roof, like I said, was collapsed below the steering wheel. The car was upside down in the ditch. Had I been wearing a seatbelt, I would have been killed.
0: Right, because of I'm the spring.
1: But the problem with the seat belt is how it's constructed. Hmm. The lap belt
3: and the shoulder belt don't do the same. They don't. Well, that's the strongest point of the body, and that.
1: I mean you won't get the spleen injuries because the spleen injury comes from that lap belt.
0: Right. Right. Oh my gosh, that's so gory. It's so gory even to have these thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the
1: seatbelt is an afterthought because mm-hmm. the car companies, if they were to really put some effort in the seatbelt. It was done to uh, fulfill a requirement on making the cars safer. And the people who were crying out for safer cars and asking for the seatbelt law, didn't know what they were asking for. They had no idea how seatbelts should work. They just figured put a belt on the person. They won't move around the car. They won't get ejected through the windshield. They won't hit the steering wheel and break themselves open when they hit the steering wheel or the face or whatever. Now you have the airbags, well, that's pretty well taken care of. Um, but a lot of people were asking for safety requires safety measures and they didn't even know what they were asking for. Like the seatbelt is a very ill-conceived instrument, as I just explained, because you compare it to a race car driver, and that car can roll around and just dis- disintegrate around the driver, but the driver's still seated in his seat, held firmly in the seat, the roll, the roll cage protects him and everything. And very few race car drivers get killed mm-hmm. in an accident. Mm-hmm. Car rolls over and over and over, and they walk out of there. Right. Under their belt, and they walk out of the car.
0: So what's the difference
1: the difference is the, the the makeup or the fashion that the belt is put together. On a race car, it's an X. It goes, you know.
0: Oh yes, of course. Like a baby. You always have the the cross.
1: Well, exactly. Exactly. Like a baby seat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That baby has a proper seat belt on. Huh. And you need that type of seat belt in every car for every passenger. If you want the seat belt to work properly, that's what needs to
0: happen,
2: right? Right, and so then that, you
1: mm-hmm. just punch the center of it and it comes loose.
0: There you go. Yeah, someone in the chat said five point harness and hands device.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's starting to sound like premeditated murder to me.
1: Well, it's not. It's just bureaucracies and industry getting together. What can we accept? What can we do? We don't want to spend too much money here. Seat belts cost about a couple of dollars per car, per, car, per seat belt, is per car. When you're making a million cars a year, that's $3 million, or four seat belts, that's $4 million per car. Uh, $4, four dollars per car, four miles, and if you make one million cars, that's $4 million on belts. Mm-hmm. Something that doesn't really give anything to the feature of the car to sell it. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Car manufacturers, especially the North American ones, it's all about how much money we can we can, you know, can we save a bolt here and a bolt there? Yeah. And we're saving twenty-five cents per car, but on a million cars, that's two
0: hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Valley Park said in the chat that the new semi trucks and vehicles won't even go without your seat belt on, right? So that's where we're moving towards when I when I got myself a vehicle, I made sure it was it was uh a little older than a little newer because then um it doesn't have quite so much control over me yeah
2: yeah
1: oh, there is around but like i said i just snapped the belt in my back and the belt is on but it doesn't know that the body's not in it
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah that's such a crazy i mean it, this has all been a, a very growing up response uh uh Experience and the added responsibility that we didn't think we had Grown up in Canada. It seems like everything's taken care of here. Eh, yeah, yeah, it is.
2: Unfortunately,
1: everything's done for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's how we became stupid and we don't think for ourselves and we don't have any critical thinking oh by the way I have to very quickly make an announcement uh, if you guys didn't know in the house of free will Amanda Volmer is coming to do a workshop on critical thinking so I'm super excited you will need to be a member I just want to because you know thinking is one of those things that went by the wayside I feel like up until 2020 I wasn't really fully using that muscle I don't even know if I'm fully exactly using it but but there's so much that I've Taken on and learned and assumed responsibility for that I may have never so thank you to our controllers for all of this nonsense in a way sad it took that but yeah it's uh, I appreciate very much Jean, Jean- Serge you you have that mind like and and you know maybe a combination of getting a little pissed off about things and not being settled. And then having the good mind and doing the research, actually reading the acts. So I have a lot of admiration for you. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. You're welcome. And so what do you recommend to people that right now are getting ticketed? I've uh, got a, a good friend who doesn't have a license and um, and the vehicle is registered by a family member and then was pulled over and... Um, You know, there was, of course, the threat to impound the car and it makes them all kind of edgy. So what do you recommend to someone in that circumstance where, say, they don't have the license and they're getting ticketed? Is there any any guidance you might provide there?
1: I went that route um, for 30 years. I didn't have a driver's license. Okay. And um, it's very difficult. At one point and when i when i refused to pay
3: and and i i lost my license because i refused to pay the TITO. Uh, twice within two years, excuse me. You can go to jail for six months.
1: They've made it as serious as driving while, in, while intoxicated.
0: Oh, my God. A Completely victimless. In, an, in, oh, in wow. Ontario. In Ontario, yeah.
2: Unbeliable. But now
1: it's a criminal act almost. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Although the criminal law is a,
3: is a uh, jurisdiction of the federal government. They made it as serious as driving while
1: intoxicated.
0: That's unreal.
1: And I, and I don't know what the, the reason why I lost my license is because of the seatbelt. And I've got the stats now, and I know the tricks you're going to use when I walk into the courtroom with the stats. I will have to subpoena the person that made the stats to be in the courtroom, when I put the documents in front of them
0: okay that's um
1: for the person that is driving without a license uh not much advice i can give there because it's fully controlled even if it was a right you'd still have to pass a test
0: right got it yeah and chances are they have Mm -hmm. at some point in their life uh passed that test but uh, yeah, you did at some point? I ima- I have to imagine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. It's why did they lose their license because of unpaid tickets?
0: No, it was uh, it was by choice to not have it. Oh,
1: by choice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they didn't renew their license. They didn't want to pay for it. Well, this is where they would need to walk into the courtroom with. The Supreme Court of Canada decision and say this is my right. You, you, he would have to find where in the Highway Traffic Act is this person in Manitoba? Yes, they are. They would need to go into the law library, look, did do exactly what I did look up the various the first Highway Traffic Act that is that was passed in Manitoba or whatever is the. Com, 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 Comparing document,
0: It's identical. I don't know what it's called. In, S- same uh, in Manitoba Highway Traffic Act. Exactly.
1: Manitoba Highway Traffic Act. Yeah. Well, that's what you need to go to a law library and look up the original document when it started. And if there's nothing about grabbing privileges in it, move up a dozen years at a time. And uh, when you will find it, go back to previous year. Like if you say like when I found '84, I went back in '83 and it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had it in '84. All I had to do was to find the bill that I, that I modified the Highway Traffic Act, and uh, and go from there.
0: And then, so you're proving to them that this didn't exist before. So how does that make a case for you? Because then if they just say, well, it was changed and this is what it is now, what would you say to well, that? It-
1: you need, this is where you need the other supporting document, the Supreme Court of Canada document, mm-hmm. saying that driving is a right, operating your private automobile is a right. It has to be licensed. And what they state, what the Supreme Court of Canada states in its decision is that once you've demonstrated that you can operate your private automobile with the safety and the responsibility required, you are given your permit free of charge.
0: Right. What year was that, Supreme Court? The
1: province cannot charge for it. Yes. It's all about making money. It's all about making money for the province.
0: Yeah, indeed.
1: And at the same time, they control the people. They can make them do what they want, because now they can pull you over at any time. When you're traveling, you're not, the the government doesn't have a right to interfere in your travel. It's your right. But here they can interfere
0: with it at any time they want to, because it's a privilege. Got it. Got it. So one of the things that started happening early on in my law studies, which I is a little bit uh, baby in the bathwater situation. I, I threw out most of that, but I ended up amending my signature on my driver's license. So I reapplied to to get a new copy, and um, it was it was a little bit dicey, but they ended up agreeing to do it. There were places that would do it, places that wouldn't. I know people were all over trying to change the signature so that it had without prejudice on it, meaning, uh, as far as I understand, that I don't agree to any conditions in your contract and I waive no rights whatsoever. And so... Well,
1: you wouldn't need to do that with with the proof that... Uh, with... What... Ta- I, I just recently had some issues with the Higher Traffic Act, with the uh, Ministry of Transportation on fines I'd received in January 2020. And with COVID, my trial, got I was in court on, in March 2020, and I was supposed to be back in April. I asked for a month to take my, my process over, and then COVID closed down all the courts. And... I didn't get anything from the courts to how my case was going to proceed until the fall. Mm -hmm. I called in in July saying what happened with with my case. I said, I don't don't want to be suspended and not realize it. Mm -hmm. Oh, they said, no, no, you won't be processed until the fall. So in the fall, I got a letter saying they processed me in February, 2021. 2021 comes along. I, I deal, they deal with me over the telephone because the courts are closed still closed mm-hmm. and we did several telephone conversations. I indicated that I wanted to, I wanted to go and have my day in court. I did not was not ready to plead over the phone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And all of a sudden, from 20, March 2021 to March 2022, nothing. My file disappeared. Mm and I'm starting to believe this was the second time it happened. Um, because in December, 2018, I was hit by a deer while going to work mm. and the cop gave, you know, that came to deal with the accident, uh, when he saw I was, uh, still under suspension, he, he, uh, Gave me the ticket, I went to court, and when I was in court, they had lost my file.
2: What a so surprise. The
1: out. But now, I'm, I'm, I uh, applied for Jordan, because I finally was able to resolve the issue of the, the January fines. I was able to resolve them in, uh, in September of the last year. I'm over with my mom. Somebody's coming in. I'm just going to move around.
0: Okay, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm.
1: the uh, when, I, when I was finally able to go to court, I told the judge I was invoking Jordan because my case had not been stopped for 30 months. And Jordan is based on the 11C of the Charter, having your uh, your case, your issues heard within a certain amount of time. And 18 months is the limit. If you have a case that's been dragging for more than 18 months, you can invoke Jordan. Okay. Okay. Uh, and if you look up your charter, 11C is where it's, it says that uh, a matter must be heard in in a reasonable amount of time. And the Supreme Court of Canada ruled 18 months is long enough. Mm-hmm. And in my case, they had lost my file for an entire year. And the time starts from the moment you're charged. So my time started in January 2020.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had gone to March 2021 so an entire year had gone by and not until 2022 was I finally able to go to court which was now 24 months and they had lost my file again I'm starting to, now I've given a presentation on the aspect of driving and the Supreme Court of Canada decision to the landowners, the Ontario landowners, and that's on YouTube. And I'm starting to believe some bureaucrats in the Ministry of Transportation are afraid I'm going to show up with the Supreme Court of Canada decision as
3: a defense and has simply. I would say to the person who,
1: anyone who walks into our courtroom with suspended, you should prepare a quarter challenge, a, a constitutional challenge. Find where privilege was brought into your Highway Traffic Act, find it the, the year, bring that in court, and say, previous year was not in it, this is when it was created, it's an artificial creation, taking away my right. And here's the Supreme Court of Canada decision.
0: And when you say a constitutional challenge, please tell me you're not talking about a charter challenge. It, it is. Yeah. Oh darn. It's,
1: it's
0: not that difficult. no. It's not but, that difficult. Yeah, we haven't hung around enough jean serge There's, uh, there's so much <laughs> evidence to show that uh, the charter. Yeah, I, I need to charter. I need somebody to charter, to charter smack you. Um, yeah, because that that charter. It look, it, it's such a psyop, right? It's not. It's not actually protecting people the way the Canadian bill of rights is this, this I'm very adamant about. We've seen, there's actually an article that came out recently about all of the charter losses that have been continuously happening, especially through this pandemic. It's a setup because in the first section, it's talking about how they, you know, with, with the right circumstances and if it's their opinion, they can remove your rights.
1: It's happened to me. I, uh my municipality passed a bylaw forcing all commercial signs to be bilingual. They wanted to force Anglophones to have French on their signs. As a Francophone, I put up a French only sign. They had to take me to court. And I was, I did that with Howard Galganov. And, uh, we like the sign aspect was basically thrown out, but Howard Galganov was challenging the law directly through a charter challenge. Um, and he asked me if I could if I wanted to join him. I said, Yes, sure, I'd love to. We went all the way to the Interior Court of Appeal, which is the highest court in the province, and I had standing, Mr. Galganov did not have standing. The the Ontario Court of Appeal agreed that my rights were being infringed, but they invoked Section 1, which is basically an notwithstanding clause for the courts. And this one is much more devastating than Section 33, which is an notwithstanding clause for governments, federal and provincial. They can invoke them. Legault did it in Quebec to bring in Bill 21 which is the the law that prevents uh, public servants from having any religious uh, ornaments on them or decorations or like a crucifix or anything Mm -hmm. if you're working in the uh, public service uh, in in Quebec.
3: So that 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 I
1: know the charter can be misused, but it's a weapon. It's a tool, not a weapon. It's a tool that, when necessary, has to be used.
0: Mm. Yeah, we should definitely talk Canadian Bill of Rights because this is uh, that's that's ironclad. That that you can't. No, I
1: know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the Canadian Bill of Rights didn't get full fully recognized though.
0: Mm, it's the other way around. The charter was not actually ratified because not all. of, of
1: Quebec, yeah. Well, Quebec is using it anyway.
0: hmm hmm Yeah, erroneously. So yeah, no, we should definitely. I got to. I got to introduce you guys to the folks at Stand for the. They they are my experts. I was actually asked to come on Triple Seven and talk about the Canadian Bill of Rights, but uh, it's as much as I'm learning. It's not my expertise. Yet, but I, but um, I, yeah. Well, I
1: did. I, I, when I invoked Jordan, I had to do a constitutional challenge.
0: Is that a requirement of invoking sure. Jordan?
1: Uh, yeah, the judge wants you to prove why and how do you come about to be able to use Jordan, and I used the the course record itself, their own record. I asked for a copy of it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and. I printed up uh, the decision from the Supreme Court of Canada on Jordan and uh, put it in my affidavit and uh, gave it to them. That was as simple as that. Walked into the courtroom. The judge had had a copy. The Crown had had a copy. And they had no choice. The judge said, what happened to Mississippi State's file for, 20, for from 2021 to 2022? It was lost. And now it's found again. How weird, because they were afraid I was going to walk in with the Supreme Court of Canada decision on the right to drive compared to the privilege.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And what would that... The right to operate your private automobile. And, you know, it's an easy slip, to use the commercial term, of driving. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's all about operating your private automobile.
0: Right on. What year was the Supreme Court case... Was what? What year was the Supreme Court case where it was ruled that tra- that um, uh-huh. traveling is a right?
1: It's it's in my archives, but I've had break-ins on where my archives are stored, and it's they've been people think I hide money in my house. Um, they've been
0: looks like the destroyed sound. in some mm-hmm. way. So. okay, looks like the sound cut out. So I was so has been
1: taken. Yeah, it so has been taken.
0: Okay. Just so you know, um, if, in case you can't hear Jean Serge right now, that uh, he's saying that the um, his archives, his house was broken into and he lost them. But can you can you tell us around when that uh, Supreme Court case would 1940. be or 1940 and, and 1940, what- right? And early 40s, early 40s, okay. And because I've got some experts in case law and uh, even somebody who's invested in Westlaw. The five hundred dollars a month, some crazy six thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I know. And uh, and he could likely find the case for us. So, is there any details you could share about it? Was it something versus something?
1: I'm trying to remember the details, but this is this is thirty years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I had I had the
1: case all in a briefcase,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they stole the briefcase. Right. Thinking, right. you know, because the briefcase is locked, oh, there must be something precious in there. Well, yeah. The archives are precious.
0: Yeah. Uh, it would still be findable, though. I, I guess it would be a matter of... Oh, yeah.
1: No, no, no. It's still findable. Yeah. It's still findable. Yeah. I just had to find the source of where it came from. Who gave me the information? That person... Uh, I had to talk to Dave Lindsay.
0: Okay. Yeah. If you,
1: he was one of the contacts in there. Okay. You should invite Dave.
0: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Love to talk. Love to talk. Love to talk. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Yeah. So many uh, characters in the show. It's hard to keep track of them. The other day I actually published something that came out of Canuck's law. Have Have you heard of Canuck's law? Yeah. Uh, no. She's a woman that's been blogging and researching at very high integrity. I actually had invited her to do a workshop in critical thinking. But she just said, no, she's not that into teaching. She just likes to write. But um, she she's gone head to head with, uh, you know, calling out Rocco Galati for example, for his shenanigans. And uh, and then I believe they sued her and she won like it was an annoying an annoyance for her. But she but she won against them because they had no case whatsoever. <laughs> If I'm getting yeah. any, any of these details right, and uh, and so she published a list the other day of all the controlled op that's going on in Canada, and it was pretty much everybody. I asked about you; you weren't on the list, John Sears. <laughs> I'm not on the list. You weren't on the list, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, yeah. other other friends, I know. Oh, sad, right? Exactly. You're not making enough noise out there, I think. And uh, and then you know, I realized after I after I shared it forward, I realized it was a mistake and um, oh rob it looks like is this the one in 1932 you found it uh city of victoria versus burchell does that sound familiar at all Jean serge
1: No, i don't remember the details
0: okay well i'll take a note what i
1: remember is the contents of the decision
0: yeah yeah exactly but it sounds who, who like
1: was lit, I, I don't remember that
0: yeah okay well we're going to look this up city of victoria and see if that's the one it is if uh rob that's what you're referring to that's great intel there awesome but um, yeah, what was I? I just interrupted myself. Uh, what was I saying? I um, yeah, just a, just yeah, about all the controlled up.
1: Connects
0: Canuck, uh, yeah. law exactly the controlled up list, and and at the end I realized, oh, joke was on me. And now I don't blame her for sharing it. It's you know it can be really easy to just shoot stuff out, but the list was so exhaustive that it really was pretty much everybody in the freedom movement now it is possible that they're all controlled up it is possible at this point i'm i'm open to considering that but what it ultimately does like i I realized and there was a video of the guy who made the list out of the images that were shared and and i could see like the, the the function of this piece was to create confusion and it worked it got it got me confused i shared it out i got my people confused they shared it out. You know what I mean. Like so, that's that's the unfortunate rabbit hole that's always waiting for us there. And that's why I spend ninety percent of my time creating in the private right now. Because
2: yeah,
0: right, we have to create this life if things are really falling down. Whether it's revelations or it's some repeat performance of revelations, we don't know. Um, it's we have to make a life for ourselves and and be able to stand behind what is actually true, what is right. And what is real <laughs> let's, let's get back to reality. That would, that would be really nice for me. And uh, yeah. I think you, yeah, thank you so much. Jean Serge. there is there anything that you would like to share? I, I let people know earlier on that you had in principle agreed to come into the house of free will, my private ministry members only, and teach about the uh, how to navigate the Canadian tax laws and you know, what, what is CRA up to? Where are the loopholes? Why are they always trying to get your sin number when they should have all that mm-hmm. information? And uh, so that will be coming up. Is there anything else that you want to share? Um, maybe I'll just interrupt you by saying that uh, Jean-Serge's Serge, Jean book, Tea Party of One, is excellent. And you can get it by emailing him direct. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Just uh, my email ep 523 at freenet.carleton, C-A-R-L-E-T-O-N. Many people forget the E. Uh,
0: .ca. Okay. So let me just repeat it, AP523EP, E-P. E-P. okay, E 523 I'll put the right one up, at freenet.carlton with an E. Yeah. Okay, I'm familiar with Carlton, we have a Carlton that street here.
1: dot
0: Yep. Okay, do over, one more time, EP523. All right, guys. We're time lucky.ca, correct?
1: At freendead.carlton.ca, correct. Okay,
0: perfect. Yeah, so um, if you... Would...
1: The, the Revenue Canada took me to court because they didn't like the book, but the excuse they used was I hadn't filed for an income tax return since 1991, and they asked for my filing for the last 10 years. The attempt was to strictly give me a financial hardship. Having to hire I would have to hire a lawyer would cost me forty, fifty thousand dollars, basically break me, try to bankrupt me. Right. And and that way I can't continue selling the book. I can't continue doing other books. Um, and basically take a thorn out of their side by financially ruining me. I did it with Dave Lindsay. He had figured out how to approach a constitutional challenge on my freedom to have a political opinion. But when uh, they didn't put forward how their uh, processing of the case was going to be, they've asked for it and they said, Well, we've got our affidavits in there. He says, You're not bringing in any evidence? They said, No. After are good enough, the people will go in and swear that, uh, you know, I didn't uh, provide them with uh, any ankle tax return. So they knew that uh, I had to deal with the SIN number in order to prove who I am. Right. Don't give that SIN number to anybody. You might as well make a nude picture, uh, make a nude, you know, show, take a nude picture of yourself and post it. You just as
0: as
1: exposed, open. exposed,
0: yeah, got it, got Don't it. Give your sin
1: number to no
0: one, right? No one, no right? One.
1: Not even revenue candidate. I was just gonna say,
0: mm-hmm. I was just gonna say no, and that would be such a red flag that they would ask for it. I, I hope that would be my first response, would be like, Uh, you guys made that number, and w- what questions would you ask the government about your sin number? Say, like, what would what would questions would you ask them?
1: Well, um, I've, I've got someone that's stuck in it right now, and uh, a friend, and they're, they're trying to trick him into giving them their SIN number because they're going after him for not having filed for so many years. He can only go back 10. Okay. And uh, they're going after him for 2011. They say they have a return from him from 2011, and that's it. Then another one in 2016. Well, how do you know that's him? Now, if he, he he's gonna ask for a copy of the return and they're gonna ask him for for what's his sin number and I told us if they ask for your sin number tell them if you're if you're asking for my sin how do you know the 2016 return is mine
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's the it's the trick what why you do, why do they need to will send you the information
0: why do they but need to they have you eh? why do they need to ask for that sin number
1: to confirm that they that you will be confirming that they're not making a mistake
0: because they don't have their in records.
1: My case, mm-hmm. In my case, they couldn't even prove my name. Right. Yeah, you Google jean to sell. There's only one that comes up.
0: Mm-hmm. hmm Exactly. Yeah. The last time I was on the phone with the CRA, they asked me where I bank at, and I'm like, mm, I don't think I'm going to answer no. that question. And she's like, Okay. Right. So they're. And, and, the, and the government, actually the bank is now, uh, it, it, it forced me to give information about my employment. Now, luckily enough, I'm unemployable and that makes me unemployed. I, haven't, I had one and a half jobs in my whole life and I was fired mm. from the half. Mm. And uh, so I, I just said, I'm unemployed. And they, and they said, do you swear that by, by accepting this, that this is true and it's like yeah I don't have a job so this is true but they luckily they don't get any information about me in the process which they don't deserve but
1: the hmm. bank the bank asked you for your sin number
0: no the bank asked me for any any details about my employment how I was employed but they don't have good categories it's all automated of course and, uh, and so there was only like employed and some categories that for sure wouldn't fit me and unemployed. So I just put unemployed.
1: Because you don't need a SIN to open a checking account.
0: Nope. No, nope. it's just they didn't ask for the SIN. They were asking for employment details. Like, you know how it's, oh, it's, it's the same way CRA is asking for who's my bank. They're, they're trying to, you know, co more than they already do is my mm. guess anyway. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, eh? So.
1: Hmm. I'm, I'm, I mean, why does the bank wanna know where you're employed?
0: Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Yeah, they're sneaky. I mean, you have
1: a check that comes in, you know, you just deposit the money, that's it. You know, where do I get it from? You know, whether I'm employed or self-employed, if I have a thousand dollars check that comes in, whether it's from a customer or an employer, What's what business is it of yours?
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. No, they literally locked me out of personal, um, out of my online banking, if I didn't answer these questions. So I could have oh, accepted. My God. I know I could have accepted that, but I decided to, uh, you know, tell the the truth that I'm not employed.
1: Not a battle. Yeah, you you do have to choose your battles.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That's uh, no. And if I could get through that, giving them no information. Yeah then then that's totally fine so yeah wow what a what a world it is out there it's a head shaker all the time as we slowly wake up i thank you so much jean serge do order his book email him at uh, ep523 at freenet.carlton with an e.ca uh, you'll, you'll send him an email. I believe he's going to ask you for a transfer. It's what about twenty five dollars or something to send a book? Twenty five I... with shipping. Yeah, 25 twenty five with shipping. So it's shipping. a steal of a deal. And you've got a new book that you're writing as well, correct?
1: Yes. Yes. It's uh, CRA taking me to court because I wrote the book.
0: There you go. The the, the sequel. <laughs> the
1: sequel. Yeah, and sequel because
3: of a book. <laughs>
0: There you go, fantastic. Well, we'll have to set up that date for your workshop in the House of Free Will. I very much look forward to that if you're still interested to do it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, okay, that's so great. It's up there. So, yes, yeah, so generous. The, the presenters in the House of Free Will have all presented at no, at no fee whatsoever to the members. So, it, it, it you you get an incredible amount of free education in the House of Free Will. It's uh, you know small donation to be a member. If for some reason you cannot afford that small donation, I don't keep anybody out for that reason. You just have to let me know where you're at and then uh, we'll go ahead with that. A uh, few, few announcements, Jean-Serge, if you want to stay on, you're most welcome, but I'll, I'll make a couple of more announcements as as we start to close out. And I thank you so much for being here. I'm glad we worked it out on FaceTime. Yay for FaceTime again. Thank you. Okay, you're, you're very uh, welcome. It's in my pleasure. Good. I'm so glad. Really nice to talk to you. All right. So uh, coming up Monday, George Wiseman, who is the inventor of the Brown's gas machine called the AquaCure. You can't see it over here, but we got all the uh, hoses. No, it's not making it into the, the shot. So he's coming on to talk about everything. Everything Brown's Gas. I have been using it since November, and uh, my jury's still out. But I continue to hear really good testimonials from people who have used it and had very big breakthroughs. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping that this 90-day trial. I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do at least six months and see how it goes and and uh, how that works. I, I do notice some better energy, but not not the dramatic effects that other people are. So I have about 150 questions for for George Wiseman on Monday at 2 p.m. Central. Also today at midnight tonight is the end of the early bird for the Sacred Purpose coaching group. To me, Sacred Purpose is our secret weapon that if we know what we're doing here, if we know who we are, if we know that we stand under God and not under government and not even under laws that are legislated and we answer to God via our purpose that God gave us, then we become uncontrollable, right? You will just do your work. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and the government at the same time. This is, this is uh, to me, a hard reality. And so if you can find out, right, it's not that you lack sacred purpose. It's just that you've got lots of layers of programming. And once those layers even begin to come off, you'll notice how much the purpose is going to press up in you as if beyond your control. It's going to inspire you it's going to make you feel alive even in the worst circumstances and so that's coming up it's a a group in the house of free will by for members only i will share the link one more time uh and again tonight is going to be the early bird for that we start february 10th with that with actual coaching and this is uh tonight for a better investment those links never work so let me try one more time i don't know why that does that if you want a clickable link in the chat, here it is. And what else do we have coming up? Um, the interview of the land use bylaw. I don't know, Jean-Serge, if you've come across these guys, but uh, mm-hmm. that Thornhill County residents came up against their municipality when they were trying to implement this land use bylaw that got actually passed through the Agile Charter, if I'm getting this all correct, in 2020 when none of us were paying attention. And uh, so I'm going to be interviewing them. They they came up against their municipality and they won. They are not putting the bylaws in that are uh, a micromanagement of life, right? That's the the, mm-hmm. the the lifeless side of our public institutions. They have no life of their own. They have to steal the life of real living, breathing men and women who are on the land and growing food. This is so, so important that we take food into our own hands. So much of that has happened here in Manitoba. Huge cheers to people for getting self-empowered and starting to grow and do things that are going to support life. So the, the Thornhill County residents, uh, some, some spokesperson from there, they're not, they're not like formal official, not a bunch of, you know, their website look, looks crappy, but do read especially the, um, this page that I've shared here, if you read the details, you're going to freak out and you're going to want to research this in your own province. How is this coming down the pipe? Because it's on our doorsteps right now. And...
1: Um, can, I, can I ask you a question? Please do. Do you, do you know about the Ontario landowners?
0: Uh, not in particular, no.
1: Uh, you you should talk to Jeff Bogart, who is the president. He okay. will... Uh, we're all, it's all about private property rights. Okay. I've been a member for ten years, and they've been around for about twenty.
0: Okay, fantastic. Maybe you could introduce me.
1: Yeah, I'll be. He's on. Uh, he's on Telegram. I'll uh, pass pass you along the information to doctor.
0: Okay, fantastic. And I never mind suggestions for interviews, and uh, I apologize. I don't take them all because I have. I'm uh, pretty focused on what I like to covered these days. But uh, Jean-Serge, that sounds right on point. And uh, people really do need to know I want to be instrumental in getting the word out, uh, especially about these bylaws that are coming and anything else, the uh, property rights for sure. All right, my dears. And uh, Glenda said she loves the House of Free Will. That's awesome. Jean-Serge, you should join. Uh, George Wiseman has already joined. By the way, he joined without me trying to ask him or anything like that. He said that this was something that his um, his wife who died of lupus would have approved of, and there was a little interaction. He right away was able to identify someone who could help him with his work inside the house of free will. That does um, what do they do? Darn, I'm not going to remember offhand, but that's exactly what can happen in the, the synergy in the private where there's no middleman, no government, nobody comes between you. It's just one man, one woman, or man and woman, and or Man to man, however that goes, making exchanges with each other, needing no permission, needing no license, mm-hmm. needing no registration, needing no not to be taxed, needing not to report. Even although there's some debate in in that uh, arena, regardless. And so, yeah, you're most welcome anytime, Jean Serge. It is by application, so everybody knows. And I will I will grab a link if you um, actually the sacred purpose link has that link on the page to apply for the house of free will. So I'll share that one last time. And uh, yeah, so good. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, Jean Serge, I'm going to start to close off the interview. Now, lots of love to everybody in the chat. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining today. Do share it out. I probably, I probably will very shortly. So don't share, don't share the link. That is the the YouTube. I'm, I'm going to be taking this down just because it's such a flag. Your uh, name here. Jean Serge, that's not a, that's not a takedown, but if you wanted to share this interview, please share this one. I'm going to put the permanent version of the interview up on this blog. And uh, I think that's it for now. So have a beautiful rest of your day. Jean Serge will be in touch and everyone, lots of love to you as well. Same to you. Okay. Thank, thank you. Too. Okay. Bye-bye.
3: Thank you. Bye for now.